I'm gratefully overwhelmed by the culture of generosity that's growing among us here at Fellowship. For so many of us, gift giving is a powerful way to express what we mean to one another. And as a church family, uh, the gift is a special way that we come together to express to God our gratitude for all that he has done for us. Last year, our church family gave over half a million dollars to ministry initiatives outside of fellowship. We were able to address things like homelessness and sex trafficking and hunger and prison reentry. Uh, the list goes even beyond that. Well, this year, our elders will prayerfully consider how to use the gift to live out our vision of changing the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world. So I'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider donating to the gift. You can do so by simply going online and giving, or you can use the envelopes that you'll find in the foyer. Thank you for the many ways that you're helping uh, reach our communities and beyond through the practical generosity of our gifts. And may we never forget to remember the goodness of God. Well, good morning, friends. Uh, my name is Hunter. And I'm Rochelle. And we're uh, two of the ministry staff here at Fellowship. And I was grateful that y'all chose to worship Jesus with us this morning. You are in for a treat. As we uh, kick off our Advent series, uh, we'll get to have communion together, uh, three baptisms in this service. Uh, we get to hear from God's word, worship together. We have a choir, a very large choir. <laughs> We're te testing out the sturdiness of the stage with yeah. all these people on here, but... <laughs> Uh, it's going to be a really, really fun morning together, and we're just grateful that y'all chose to be with us. Yeah, this morning is going to be great. And you just watched a video talking about this thing called The Gift. Last year, the funds received through The Gift were distributed across the world to different organizations that help um, advance care and ministry. And some of the ways in which The Gift was used was through things like Ukrainian refugee resettlement through this organization called Crew, or um, Portugal Compassion kits through an organization called For All Mankind Movement all the way in India, and then even helped people in our very own neighborhoods here in Bentonville through an organization called For the Love that helps provide meals to those in need and fighting food insecurity and poverty. And so throughout this season, as you feel led, we just encourage you to consider to give to the gift as a way to bless people near and far, um, and ultimately to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Another thing we'll be doing in this season is on Sunday mornings as we gather, we'll be going through Advent together. And so for centuries, uh, Christians across the globe have been gathering the weeks leading up to Christmas to celebrate the Advent or the coming or the arrival of Jesus and all that it means to have Emmanuel, God with us and what comes with that. So you'll see some candles up here. Uh, we're gonna light one of these each week. They, they represent the different themes that we'll be teaching through. So hope and peace and joy and love. And we'll light one each week until we get to Christmas Eve where we'll light this the center one, the, the Christ candle. And so uh, as we worship together, it's gonna get brighter and brighter up here every week as we lead towards that moment where we get to celebrate uh, Christ's birth. Yeah, I love Advent and you talking about it is just getting me excited. And so whether Advent is a new practice to you or an old familiar one, we wanna come alongside you as you partake in this ancient practice throughout the next few weeks. And so we have some resources that I think are pretty wonderful to help um, aid you as you walk through 
Advent. So some of them are, we've got the Family Advent Booklet. This is a booklet that's filled with daily devotionals, um, discussion questions, and even weekly activities. And the purpose of this is to help you and your family just have conversation around the person of Jesus. And uh, you can do it around your dinner table, on the way to the next practice. You can do it in your bath time, bedtime routine, but you can pick up one of these and uh, the elementary foyer, or even find a digital copy online. And then we've also got daily Advent devotionals written by fellowship staff. And you can find these on our website, through the app, but they're just quick five-minute devotionals to help you recenter each day around the Christmas story and the person of Christ. And one of my favorite things to do is whenever I'm doing a devotional, I like to spend some time in worship as well. And so if you're looking for songs that are specific to this Advent season, our wonderful worship team has also written and produced and created some music just for that. So go ahead and check those out too. I encourage you because I think they're pretty great. Yeah, they are. And all of this is leading us up to Christmas Eve. So December 24th is on a Sunday this year. And so our ask to you is very simple. Uh, we've got four service options. Please choose one. Okay, so we're going to have our normal times in the morning, uh, 8.45 and 10.30, these will be our family services, and then a couple of traditional services at night. So we are not asking you to choose one per category. Please, pick <laughs> one and come. I will say if you have young kids, uh, you're probably going to want to be uh, at the morning services. There won't be uh, child care, child classes for any of these services. And Lord willing, my children will be asleep by 8 p.m., so we will not be at that one. But if you have young kids, come in the morning, worship with us. But no matter what, whenever you you choose to come, we'll be here to celebrate uh, Jesus together. Yeah. So we've been talking about how great this morning's going to be, and so might as well just kick it off. And we're going to start this morning through celebrating life change through baptism. So let's invite our friends to the stage. Good morning, Fellowship family. We are so excited to celebrate uh, the baptism of Drew Hall this morning. Um, yeah, uh, I want to invite all of Drew's cell group, his friends, his family uh, to come up and join us as we celebrate him this morning. We've had to lay some ground rules with our boys that there's no cannonballs or anything as we celebrate. They're very excited about this. You know, there's a young man that has uh, been an integral part of Drew's spiritual story, and I'm very proud of both Drew and Ben here, and Ben has something on his heart that he wanted to share um, with our body today. So, Ben, I'll let you share. Thank you. So, my name is Ben, and I'm part of Drew's cell group. And me and Drew have been friends for a while. And then one day, I was like, hey, Drew, I've seen you go to church, and we do this thing called cell group every Wednesday. It's a lot of fun. I think it'd be really cool if you came. And that night when he came, I was just blown away by him and his heart for the Lord. You could just see that he had a true passion for wanting to know who he truly was. He was so involved with the questions and the readings, and it was just amazing to see him being so open, even not just his first night. And then from every week on, you could see his heart grow, not just not only in cell group, but in church and just in every day. You could just see his heart growing and the passion for wanting to know God just grow more and more. And you could tell that he really wanted to not just know God, but not to be able to walk with him. And then one day in October, it was a Thursday afternoon, I remember he called me and he said, Ben, I want to get baptized. And I asked him why. And he said, I want to show that I'm putting my old life behind me and I'm starting a new life with Christ. And I thought that's a perfect image of what baptism is. And Drew, I just want to say one more thing. Everyone on this stage is so happy to see 
you walk with God so far, mm-hmm. and we all love you so much. And after today, we all are so excited to continue to see you walk with God, and we're so excited to see what he has in store for you. Amen. Drew, have a seat here. Um, Something I want to say is the night that Drew accepted Christ was such an amazing picture of community because what what Ben didn't mention was the night before he could have made a choice to not come to cell group because his his grandfather had passed away. He made a conscious choice to be there for two reasons. He wanted to be there for Drew because he knew what was going on in his life. Number two, he knew these guys would love on him and his pain, and he showed up. So I'm just so proud of you for having the courage for doing that and being there in Drew's life. Drew, is your, your testimony in the body today that you have accepted Christ as your Savior and that you want to follow him all the rest of your life? Yes. Amen. Brother, upon your profession of faith, it is my joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism... Raised to walk in newness of life. Isn't that the best? That is awesome. Um, hey, next we have AJ, uh, AJ Clark. And if you are an 11th grade cell group guy or um, friends or family of AJ, I want to invite you up to the stage as well. Um, y'all can come this way. It is a little cold. I'm sorry, friends. Yes. Um, wait, the congregation or the... Oh, congregation. Would you please scoot in? We have some friends uh, who are standing on the back wall who are looking for a place to sit. And so if you're sitting on the edge row and you'd like to move to the middle a little bit, that would be great. Thank you. Um, I know we try to do this with our seventh and eighth graders every week and they hate me for it. So I appreciate the grace. Um, This is AJ. And AJ has had his life radically changed um, by Jesus Christ. And AJ and I got McDonald's a couple of weeks ago just to, to kind of talk his life story. And this was after he'd been serving in FSM and has been uh, faithful in a mosaic cell group. And they kind of came to, to Bentonville um, pretty recently. And we were just talking about his life. And he was recounting all the ways that the Lord has been faithful in his family and it's just in, in his story. Um, and it, it just got me emotional and excited to see God working um, through community and through, through friendship and through church and through serving and through what some of us may consider just normal everyday things we do on a Sunday. That's where God met AJ. And so AJ, dude, you are, you are kind and compassionate. You are gentle. Um, and, and it is so evident by the love of Jesus that radiates out of your heart and out of your life um, that you've met, you've met him and that you know him uh, and you love him. So is it your testimony today um, that you have been saved by Jesus and his love and grace for you um, and that you want to walk with him all the days of your life. Yes. Awesome. And can you sit here? It is my joy uh, to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in new life. Um, and now family of AJ, y'all can step down. Family and friends of Ben, uh, can y'all please join us? And Cell Group, y'all get to stay here 
Um, and, and Holly is going to share a little bit about them. Awesome. <laughs> wow, what a special day we have today. We're gathered to celebrate a truly amazing decision. I'll talk really slow so you can feel that cold water. Uh, Benjamin's decision to get baptized in the Bible, as you know, Ben, Ephesians 4, 5 says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And today, Benjamin is living out these words. It isn't just a dip in some water. It's a big, bold step showing his love for God and his commitment to follow in Jesus's footsteps. Ben, our hearts swell with pride and joy seeing you take this leap of faith. You're, it's like you're saying, hey world, I'm all in with God. Your bravery and dedication are inspiring and we are honored to stand here beside you today. This moment isn't just about today, it's about the journey ahead. You're stepping into a life filled with God's love, wisdom, and grace, and we are all here cheering you on every step of the way. We love you and are so proud of you. Ben, is it your testimony um, that you've been rescued by Jesus, um, purchased and redeemed by his blood, and you want to walk with him for the rest of your days? Amazing. Well, then I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in new life.
This is the word of the Lord from Psalm 80, verses 1 through 3 and 17 through 19. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. And we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Hi, Fellowship. We're the Elm family. We're so thankful that we get to celebrate Advent with you. Please read with us from the book of Isaiah. Yesaya 9, ayat 2. Bangsa yang berjalan di dalam kegelapan telah melihat terang yang besar. Mereka yang diam di negeri kekalaman, atasnya terang telah bersinar. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light had dawned. Yesaya 60 ayat 1 sampai 3. Bangkitlah menjadi teranglah, sebab terangmu datang dan kemuliaan Tuhan terbit atasmu. Sebab sesungguhnya kegelapan menutupi bumi dan kekalaman menutupi bangsa-bangsa, tetapi terang Tuhan terbit atasmu dan kemuliaannya menjadi nyata atasmu. Bangsa-bangsa berduyun-duyun datang kepada terangmu dan raja-raja kepada cahaya yang terbit bagimu. Isaiah 60 verses 1 through 3. Arise shine for a light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. fellowship.
One more time, lift your voice, oh great light. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Hope is not a uniquely Christian idea. Although Christian hope is different from hope in general, humanity needs hope in some form in order to carry on or to hold on or to move on. The absence of hope is despair. And one writer has said that we're only able to live for a few seconds without hope. So as human beings, we're constantly looking for something to hope in or to hope for. And for many, hope just becomes wishful thinking. And it may even tend towards denial or delusion. Like a student who hasn't studied for the test who says, I hope I can make an A. Or when we go to the dentist or a root canal and we say, I hope it's not uncomfortable. There's no basis in reality for either of those. And that kind of hope, there's no reason to believe in it except for I really, really, really want it to be true. Now that kind of hope may make you seem optimistic, but it is incredibly fragile. And it is easily shattered by reality and circumstances. But the hope that the Bible talks about in Hebrews 6 and 19, we're told is a solid and a steadfast hope. It's described as an anchor for our souls, something that can hold us fast and hold us strong. So we had Jerry and Donna Rolene light the candle of hope today because this past year, these two have learned in some new ways how to hang on to this anchor of hope. Donna had surgery for two brain aneurysms, and then she had a stroke. 
and then hours and days and weeks and months of rehab. This last year has been a difficult journey for them. There have been tears of frustration and grief and pain, but there have been times of laughter and joy. And everybody that knows them will say they have displayed an underlying strength and a positive determination. And they've been able to do this because their souls are anchored in this hope that we have in Jesus that we're talking about today. For our time together, I want to give you a descriptive definition of hope that we will be using. Hope is a present confidence in a blessed future based on God's past faithfulness. A present confidence in a blessed future based on God's past faithfulness. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 17 through 21, We're told that Jesus is the fulfillment of a prophecy in Isaiah where God promised to send his servant. It says, this fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I've chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. His name will be the hope of all the world. This morning, I want us to think about that gospel text that we read in Matthew 1, and I want us to look at three names of Jesus that were given in this text that I think help us to anchor our hope today. The first name we're going to look at is actually the last name mentioned, and that's in verse 23. And it says, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Our present confidence is because God is with us. One writer described God's plan for humanity as his plan was for us to have life together with him forever. We were designed and made to be with God. And because of that, we as human beings have been longing for that ever since that that relationship that got separated in the garden. The first advent was God coming to be with us in a way he had never done before. By becoming human, Jesus really was God with us. He came to live as one of us. He came to face the challenges and temptations of life as one of us. And he's able to say to us now, I know what it's like. I understand. And while God has always been present, the coming of Jesus in the flesh is a tangible reminder of that reality. Jesus' promise as he left this earth was, and I will be with you to the end of the age. Our present confidence comes from the presence of Jesus with us. You see, God didn't just say, hey, I'll work this all out one day, 
But until then, do the best you can and good luck. That's not what God said. God said, I'm going to work it out one day. And in the meantime, I'm with you. Jesus lives with us. He walks with us through every moment of life. He is presently working to bring us to that blessed future that we have confidence in. So our present confidence comes because we know God is with us. Emmanuel. The second name we're going to look at is the name Jesus. Because our blessed future comes knowing that God will save us. The actual pronunciation of his name in Hebrew would have been something like Yeshua. And it was, by the way, a very common name among the Jewish people. And it means Yahweh saves or salvation is from Yahweh. Now, it's worth noting that God makes a point for Joseph to know what to name Mary's son. If God himself chooses a name for a child, it seems to me that that would be pretty important and significant. And the angel gives us the significance of this name when he says this, he will save his people from their sins. There are several things that Jesus did for us when he came. He showed us the heart of God. He gave us an example to follow. He taught us what it means to love God and to love others. But the overarching purpose of Jesus' coming was a rescue mission. His first and primary purpose was to save us from our sins. When we dig into the work of Jesus as our Savior, what we see is that through him, when we put our faith and our trust in him to be our Savior, we have forgiveness and redemption right now. We are forgiven from sin. We are redeemed from sin right now. But we also have a promise that the full and the final work of Jesus will result in our complete freedom from sin and all its consequences, spiritual, mental, emotional, relational, physical, all that sin has done. Our hope looks forward to a blessed future that begins today and moves into eternity, promising that God will set us free in Jesus from all that sin has done to us and in us. We have hope in the presence of Jesus that points us to our blessed future because he will save us completely. And then the last name that we're looking at this morning is found at the very beginning of our reading. It's in Matthew, uh, in Matthew 1, where Jesus is referred to as the Messiah. Now, your version may have the word Christ. The meaning is the same. This title for Jesus is rooted in the idea of someone who's been anointed and set aside for a particular purpose or service. But as the Old Testament story progressed, the idea of a particular person, a particular one, a particular anointed one, Messiah, began to develop. 
It became the term used for the one that God would send to bring about the fulfillment of all of his promises. The Messiah is the one the people of God were looking for who would bring deliverance and peace and righteousness and justice and the blessing of God. So when Jesus is called the Messiah, he's being presented as the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Everything that God promised to do is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. He is the fulfillment of God's promises. And while God calls us to trust him in faith, it is never an unfounded faith. God never asks us to trust him without first proving himself trustworthy. Our hope does not rest in wishful thinking. We hope God will do this. Maybe, possibly God will do this. But instead, our hope rests in a God who has always shown himself to be faithful. God keeps his promises. He's never let a single one of his promises fall to the ground. God keeps his word. We're told that his word will come to pass. His faithfulness is an anchor and a foundation that we can build our hope on. And because he keeps his promises, we can live in a hopeful way no matter what our circumstances. This is what the word of God says to us in Lamentations 3. I want you just to listen and let these words kind of flow over you and hear what he's saying to your heart. The writer says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I hope, I have hope. This is what gives me hope, he says. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Our hope is a present confidence that comes from God's presence with us. Emmanuel. Looking forward to a blessed future, knowing that through Jesus, we will be saved. And all this is based on the coming of Messiah, which proves God's faithfulness and reminds us that God keeps his promises. We have hope today because of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, Emmanuel, Messiah. Jesus gave those of us who are his followers a tangible way to remind ourselves of this hope. Before he left, before his crucifixion, when he established the ordinance of communion. In 1 Corinthians 11, the writer there is teaching the church about what's happening when we take communion, and this is what he says. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You see what he's saying there? Whenever we eat and drink, we're proclaiming the Lord's death, looking forward to his return. We are declaring when we take communion our present confidence in the promise of a future with Jesus that's based on his faithfulness demonstrated in his death and his resurrection. So we're going to pass out the elements of communion, and this is what I want you to do. When you, get, when you take them, I want you to hold on to them. And I want you to ask God to speak to you about your hope and where you might need to be reminded today. Maybe you need to receive in faith the work of Jesus and his salvation. Maybe for the first time you need to say, Lord Jesus, I am trusting you and what you've done on my behalf to save me from my sins. Or maybe you need to take that and remind yourself again, Jesus took care of your sins. And rest in that. Maybe you need to be reminded that whatever you're facing, God is with you and he understands. Or maybe you need to be reminded that one day all will be well because of what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do to save us from sin. So hold on to these elements and ask God to speak to your heart about hope. And after we've had a time of reflection and worship, then we'll take the communion together.
Let's praise Jesus in this place. Jesus, thank you. God, you are our living hope. God, thank you. Thank you that you came, Jesus. Thank you that you, you proved true on your promises in your first coming. And God, we hold to it and we look forward to your second. And in the meantime, God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is with us now. God, may we be people of Advent that look to and wait on and invite your presence. You are our hope, Jesus. No, nothing else, no one else, only you. And God, we glory in that. We glory in you, Jesus. God, would you settle that hope in our spirits? And sing together. Hope, we will find our hope. We will find our hope. We will find our hope in you. Hope, we will find our hope. We will find our hope. We will find our hope. I don't know that there's a, a better uh, visual or, or thing that would summarize what Doug just taught on than communion. As we think about God's past faithfulness, and all that he's done for us to accomplish life for us. Uh, this promised blessed future and the hope of his returning again that we long for now, but also this present confidence that we get to sit in and participate in together, doing something that the church has done for so long to remember Jesus and to focus our eyes on him. And so like he commanded thousands of years ago, together as a body of believers, we take and we eat in remembrance and hope. We don't just remember his body, but his blood that was poured out for us. And so again, like he's commanded, we take and we drink in remembrance and hope. As I read this, this benediction over us, I wanna remind you that like we do every week, we have some folks up here who would love to pray for you. If you're new, please connect with us in the foyer. But let me read these verses over us. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 through 17. May our Lord, Jesus Christ himself, and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, may he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. Have a blessed and hope-filled Sunday. See you all next week.